Thank you, Brother Holmes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody else. Come on, we're here at midnight. We might as well go ahead and have church. Amen. Well, the three of us will have a great time. Praise God. What a great privilege and an honor it is to be here at Youthquake Camp Meeting 2010. And are you having a great time, young people? I want to quickly say, as you're turning in your Bibles to Esther chapter 4, verse 14, I quickly want to say what a privilege and honor it is. Uh, Just a life honor to be uh, preaching this event and uh, be connected with people like Brother and Sister Holmes, Pastor and Sister Holmes, Brother and Sister Nathan Holmes, great friends. All of my friends on the platform honor them, their ministry, their calling. And I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm glad my wife is here and my girls, Michelle, Savannah, Michaela. And I look out and see my cousin here, Damien. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, great, great, all my friends. So glad everybody's come to the house of the Lord tonight. I know it's called Youth Quake. But I feel to preach to you for a few minutes. You can't have a quake until you have some commitment. And so we're going to commit and then we're going to have some quaking. (laughs) Y'all ready? Are you there? Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Are you there? Say amen. If you're still looking, say, hold up. Hurry up. Come on. We don't have all night. (laughs) All right. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. This is a, we're interrupting the story of Esther. Most all of you are probably familiar with it for the sake of time. I am just reading one uh, verse of scripture. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy family's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. A pivotal moment in history as a young lady is making a decision that will affect not only her uh, outcome, but also the outcome and destiny of a nation and uh, countless of people. I want to preach to you for a few minutes on the thought, someone is hanging on you. Some Look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball, tell him, someone is hanging on you. Someone is hanging on you. Amen. Now, why don't we raise our hands? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place at this time. We are aware, oh God, that it is not happenstance or coincidence, mere luck or chance that brings us to this moment in time. But truly, the hand of God has led us today to this place. I pray now, Lord, that as you anoint me, you would embolden me, dear God, to to deliver with confidence uh, the divine word of God for the hearts of each and every individual in this room. uh, That all of us, dear God, would leave different than we came in. We we don't want to go home the same way we came to camp meeting 2010, but challenge us, convict us, uh, encourage us, but Lord, change us. Uh, We will give you all the glory and honor, all the praise, for you are worthy. And the wonderful name, why don't we give him a great big praise. High five two or three people around you and tell you, tell them the devil's having a very, very bad weekend. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. 
Thank you so much. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1 that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word, Word, literally translated is Logos, Logos. The word Logos uh, literally means plan. Young people, this tells me that in the beginning God had a plan. I said He had a plan. It tells me that prior to speaking worlds into existence, he had a plan. Prior to creating universes, and he set things in order. God did not create earth on a whim. He did not make man on a notion, but he planned it out. As we study the universe and, and the manner in which earth was created, we understand that it was carefully and meticulously created. Uh, David said, in my mother's womb, you knit me together. In Psalms, he says, you know my frame. Young person, don't allow a science teacher, a liberal professor, or Hollywood to devalue your existence. You are not here by accident. You are not here because of a big bang you didn't evolve out of a little blob of goop that turned into a little fish, turned into a bigger fish, flopped up on a seashore, turned into a monkey, the tail fell off and you walked in. No, 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 no. In the beginning, God, you've got Koshat. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You've got a purpose. You've got a calling. You can, come on, you're the apple of his eye. You're the crown of creation. You are fearfully. You're wonderfully made. You have a purpose and a plan. I've come to tell a young person tonight uh, that there's a plan for your life. Uh, there's a purpose for your life. Oh, come on. Some of you are waiting for me to get to the good part, but it's not going to get much better. I've simply come to tell you tonight that God has got a purpose for you. He's got a reason for you to be alive. It ought to excite more than 37% of you uh, to know that you're not here by mistake. The attack is on in the world today to devalue the existence of human life but I've come to remind the devil I've come to remind the world that we understand that we are people that are called with a purpose scream it out I've got a purpose as we study purpose and I find there are three uh, steps that we can summarize fulfilling our purpose in first we must pre prepare there's preparation then there is patience and then when the time comes we must perform Preparation, patience, and performance. The story of Esther is very familiar to all of us who have been raised in Christianity. Uh, beginning around 483 B.C., 37 years before Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls. The children of Israel are being held in captivity. Uh, I will not go into a lot of detail because I know it's late, but it was a very large area of land uh, that they were being held captivity in, in captivity. And, and as we know, the king of Persia loved to party. And I'm not talking about a birthday cake with a little hat and a whistle. But I'm talking about he would uh, go on for months on end. And, and they would have drunken uh, times of pleasure. And, and they would get drunk. And at the conclusion of one of these parties, 
I speed along quickly. Uh, he calls for his queen. At the time, her name was Vashti. He said, bring me Vashti. And so her uh, servants came to her and informed her of the king's request. And we, uh, and we know uh, how that she refused to heed the king's calling. And, and uh, there's different theological uh, reasonings and ideas as to why Vashti refused the king's calling. Some say she was a rebellious young lady. Others say that she did not want to be displayed in front of uh, all these drunken men. And, uh, and, and, and so she took a stand. Uh, all I know is that one person, one lady made the king and all of his advisors very nervous. There's power in one. Don't you tell me, young person, that one person cannot make a difference. Don't tell me that one person can't take a stand. Don't tell me that one person at their high school and one person on the job and one young person. Come on, I might not get all of you fired up, but if I can get one of you to take a stand at camp meeting 2010 and make up your mind to live for God, I've come to tell you again. Come on, you can live for God in 2010 in Arkansas, in Mississippi, in the United States. Of America, you can live for God. To... He's afraid of just you've heard my testimony before, but let me tell it again. I was raised in Amsterdam where I was raised, drugs are legal, you can buy them off of a menu. I didn't have a youth group, it was me and my sister. We didn't have a youth pastor, we didn't have youth quake. My goodness, if we'd have had youth quake, it'd have just been me and her in the living room. <laughs> you could walk down the street. Pick out a woman, man, or a mix. Have sex with them for a price. Prostitution is legal. Euthanasia is legal. Mercy killing. Uh, abortion. It's the f- when, I, when I went to uh, school, uh, we, uh, we did not, at the PE class, after we uh, played ball or whatnot, uh, they did not have a boys' and a girls' locker room. It was one locker room. You all went in. One wasn't boys' and girls' showers. It was one big room full of spigots. And everybody went in and took a shower together. So I had to make a decision. And they laughed at me and called me stinky and made fun of me. My teachers wrote notes to my parents and told me, uh, told them why I was a bad student, being a bad influence. And, and all everybody, they, they laughed at me and made fun of me, but I never did it. I lived for God. And I've come to tell somebody at Youth Cake 2010 that... That the devil's nervous. It makes him, it scares him. If one young person stands up, everybody starts getting upset at you. Everybody gets nervous. When one young man says, I'm not going to that party. I'm not laughing at that joke. Those words aren't going to be in my vocabulary. I'm not going to participate in it. We're not going to watch it. Because we're not of the world. We might be in it, but we're not of it. I'm taking, oh come on, I wish I did some young people that would make up their mind at you youthquake to take a stand for God you can live for God in 2010 in North America if I can live for God in Amsterdam you can live for God today you ought to praise God hallelujah 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 So now the queen, the advisors go to the king. They rid themselves of Vashti, fearful that her rebellion would cause a stir throughout the, the nation. And, and so now the king is without a wife. And so his advisors come up with a wonderful plan. They're going to have a beauty contest. 
They'll find the most beautiful women from all over the various 127 provinces of the Persian Empire and they will parade them in front of the king. I, I don't know, Brother Holmes, which, what, what kind of man isn't going to approve this plan. <laughs> These are some good advisors is all I got to say. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey king, we're going to get all the beauty girls and you can pick them all out. Now, where's my ring? Where's my stamp? Where's the paper? Get the seal on that right now. <laughs> Come on, some young man. Finally got you to laugh a little bit. So we know that Esther has entered into this beauty contest. Her situation very unique is there's no mention of her father and mother. Most likely they had been killed. They were dead. She had been raised by an older cousin, Mordecai. Uh, if there was anyone that had an excuse not to fulfill their purpose, young person, it was Esther. No father and no mother. Uh, if there was anyone that had a reason not to step into what God had called her to do, it was this young girl. Because uh, daddy wasn't there and mommy wasn't there. Uh, I've come to tell a young person under the sound of my voice and every single one of you in this house, listen to me. Your pedigree uh, does not dictate your purpose. I don't care if dad's a painter or if he's a preacher. I don't care if your mama was a prostitute or a praise singer. You can fulfill what God has called you to do. You can answer the call of God. It's time that you stop using your family tree as an excuse not to fulfill what God has done you. Come on. It's time that some of you make up your mind that just because great grandma and grandpa got a divorce and grandma and grandpa went through divorce and mom and dad went through divorce I'm going to take a stand uh, and we're going to break it in this generation and I'm going to live for God uh, and Makosha just because your daddy was a preacher and backslid uh, doesn't mean you're going to end up that way uh, you can fulfill your purpose uh, you can fulfill your destiny uh, in this hour uh, yes you can yes you can and so Esther's entered into the competition and Mordecai instructed her. He said, don't let anybody know about your uh, your past. Don't let anybody know that you're a Jew. Keep it concealed. And, and so finally the day comes and Esther is presented before the king. And the Bible says, doesn't say that he looked any further. But it was truly love at first sight. Do I have any married men in the house? You ought to clap right there. If you know what I'm talking about... Now, some of you young men think you know what I'm talking about, but you don't have a clue. Trust me, she won't even know your name in ten years. <laughs> I know all about love at first sight. I'm an expert. I can remember church conference. I was standing there. I had come with a mission. I had my hunting gear on. <laughs> That means I had a nice suit, a tie. You know, they spray deer pee. I just, they spray deer pee on themselves when they go hunting. <laughs> Y'all know that? I had my, whatever, probably Tommy Hilfiger, because it was a nice. I was ready! Standing there in the hall. You know what I mean. Come on, guys. Hey, if you're shopping, make sure it's in the right store. 
I'm not saying it's wrong to come to Youth Quake if you're of age and start looking for a girl, but you better not be looking in the world. You want, I, don't, I know I'm on my notes a little bit here, and maybe I said it before, but you ought not to be shopping. I, if I was looking again, I sure wouldn't be looking for some girl that was too pretty to praise. If I was a young man shopping, I wouldn't want some girl too pretty that didn't know how to pray but I'd want a young girl come my son I'd want a girl that knew how to dance I'd want a girl that shook her hair down if I was a girl and I was looking for a boy I wouldn't want someone that was too cool to get crazy too cool to cry but I'd want me a young man up on the front row that said give me some more Jesus I'd want a boy that wanted to preach I'd want a young man that knew how to pray you ought to find yourself Somebody that loves Jesus. You ought to find yourself somebody that loves the Lord. So I was practicing what I'm preaching. (laughs) And Michelle McCoy came walking by. And I said, whew. I'm going to marry her. I did. I punched the guy next to me. I had never seen her in my life before. I said, hey, dude, I'm going to marry that girl. So I pursued her. And then I conquered. And ladies and gentlemen, I am now king. Yeah, King Tut at your service, ladies and gentlemen. Right here. It's nothing like finding and falling in love with somebody that loves Jesus. Young man, if she don't love Jesus, she ain't going to love you. If he don't love Jesus, he ain't going to love you. Find yourself somebody that loves God. And so Esther is picked out love at first sight. And, and uh, Esther was a good queen. Uh, quickly, let me move through the story. She spares the king's life on one occasion. Life was wonderful. Things were fine and dandy. Until one day news arrives of a very devious plan that a man named Haman had conjured up. Haman, as we know, was a very powerful man, high in the government. Everywhere he went, people bowed before him, and and, uh, he was very prideful. Uh, But there was one man named Mordecai, it was Esther's cousin, who refused to bow before uh, um, uh, Haman. And so Haman was very wroth and made him very mad. And so he came up with a devious, a wicked and evil plan, and that is to kill all of the Jews in the empire every Jew would be killed and so Mordecai he quickly receives the word and he, the Bible says when he receives the word he, he rips his clothes and he begins to cry and to mourn and then he sends word to Esther he says Esther I just discovered your purpose in the king's house Esther, I just found out why God placed you in the position you are in. You've got to save the day. It's interesting to note, young people, that Esther did not discover her purpose by herself. She had somebody in her life that was able to point her in the right way. I know you might think you can be the Lone Ranger all by yourself, but baby doll, you better have a man of God in your life that can look at you and say, Honey, I know why you're here. You don't understand it. You don't know why you're here. But I can tell you why you're, you gotta have a pastor in your life. You ought to have a man of God in your life that can point at you and say, You know what, baby? You need to be over there. And you might not understand it. And you might not 
not know why, but you ought to listen because he can see. He's got the vision. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so Esther, you got to save the day. I've discovered your purpose. And all of a sudden, Esther replies in verse 11 of chapter 4, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court who's not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold the golden scepter that he may live. But I've not been called to come into the king these 30 days. Mordecai, I would love to be the hero. I'd love to save the day. But you don't know what it's going to cost me. There's a cost that comes with the calling. I said there's a cost that comes with the calling. If I were to ask how many of you want to be used of God, I guarantee every hand would be raised. You sing it if you can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands. Take my feet. But there's, I'm off my notes, but I want to talk to somebody right now. There's a great misconception within Christianity about being used and being elevated. They're not the same thing. You have a misconception of what it is to be used. For being used doesn't mean you get a microphone and you get to preach Mid-America Youth Conference. No, last time somebody looked at me and says, Tuttle, you just got used... It wasn't positive. Because when you get used, it means you were taken advantage of. It means somebody took you and used you like a rag and threw you to the side. Can he use you? Can he use you, young people? Can he use you? Youth of 2010, can he, I, I, I can see Mary, the mother of Jesus, after she finds word of her purpose. Uh, and she looks at the, the, the angel and she says, uh, Gabriel, be it hold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. But Mary, what about your future? What about your reputation? Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You can use my reputation, but what about your future? You can use Use my future. What about your family? You can use my family. You can use me. I'm ready to pay the price. I'm not looking for a spotlight. I'm looking for his light. I'm not looking my I'm not looking for a promotion. I'm looking for my purpose. I'm not looking for a title. I'm looking for a calling of God. You can use me. So Esther. She replies quickly, as Mordecai, she says, look, this is going to cost me something. And Mordecai quickly reminds her of her purpose and where she had come from. Let me say it, young people, you can't forget where you came from. Just because you've got a pretty little bun and a nice little skirt and a nice little tie suit, baby doll, you're a sinner saved by grace. And you better never forget it. You better never get so high and mighty that you don't forget that you're a sinner. Was it not for the grace of God, you'd be lost on your way to hell. So I cut that out behind. Esther, had it not been for God, you would have never made it to the king's house. Quickly, I move on. In verse 16, she comes to the conclusion. She must fulfill her purpose in God. She says, go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. She says, fast ye for me. 
neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. But I finally found something that was worth dying for. I said, young people, you have not truly lived. And you have not truly found the purpose and calling of God on your life. Until you found something that's worth giving it all. Giving it all. Giving it all. So it's interesting to notice she discovers what her purpose is in life. And she doesn't just instantly burst into the king's inner courtroom. To fulfill her purpose, but she takes some time. She, she prepares. She's patient. She, she, she gets herself ready. This, young people, is where most people backslide. They don't backslide when they discover their purpose. That's brilliant and wonderful. Wow, God's got something for me. But where most people give up is in the preparation. It's in the patience part. It's when you know God has called you to preach, but you haven't had a microphone in your hand. It's when you know you've got an anointing on your life to lead a choir, but you haven't been afforded the opportunity. Most people backslide, they quit, they give up. When they know they've got a calling, but the door isn't open. I know I'm supposed to be a Sunday school t- teacher, Brother, Brother Holmes, but, but I, I don't have a Sunday school class. And so, and so they give up and they quit and they, because it doesn't happen on your time. Because God is not working for your time. He's working for your good. He doesn't work on the 1st and the 15th, but He's putting all things together. He's forming you. He's putting you together with a divine purpose, with a divine mission. Amen? One of the greatest preachers that ever walked the planet, John the Baptist. How many of you know him? Two people. Three people. And in this huge crowd, you would think that you'd at least have a hundred people that knew about John the Baptist. John the Baptist. There we go. Greatest preacher probably ever walked the earth. The one that said, prepare you the way of the Lord. There's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to mess around with this guy's shoes. He's bad to the bone. I, I, I'm telling you, the Jesus is coming. And, and John the Baptist, uh, he, 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 he was awesome. But, but he discovered his purpose. He found out what his mission was in life. Do you know when he found it out? While he was still in the womb. He came in contact with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And right then and there, he knew, I've got a greater calling in my life. There's something that's great that I've got potential for but he could not be birthed at the moment that he realized what God had for him young people he could not be birthed into existence at that time because his hands were not fully developed his 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 feet could not bear the burden of his legs his legs could not bear the burden of his torso his, his neck was incapable of bearing the burden of his head because he was still in the womb of preparation but do you know what he did while he was being prepared do you know what he did while he was waiting on the call of God to come to pass in his life how many of you know what he did the Bible says uh, he began to leap. Uh, he began to shout. Uh, he, oh, come on. He began to jump up and down because, oh, come on. I've come to tell somebody that you ought to praise God uh, while you're waiting. Uh, you might not know your purpose. Uh, you might not be in it yet, uh, but you can go ahead and praise him because I got one. Uh, we might not, come on. Uh, I might not be preaching yet, but thank God he called me to preach. Uh, you'll never preach until you learn how to praise. Uh, you'll never Never lead a song until you learn how to jump for joy. You'll never know. Come on. I 
said you'll never learn to step in to what God has for you. The door ain't going to open to some bump on a log. Back row, silver spoon, spoiled brat. You ought to learn how to praise God. You ought to learn how to dance in the spirit. You ought to learn how to leap for joy. I wonder if I got a young man that would just run an aisle for me if you know God has called you. I said, I wonder if I got a young man that would do a lap if you, you've never even preached, but you know you've got purpose. You ought to praise God. Hallelujah. And so Esther prepared she was patient but now the time has come and she must perform I can imagine on the day that she awoke she had probably not spent much time sleeping the night before can you imagine she probably woke up with trembling hands knowing that this was the very fateful day that the destiny of her life and the future of a nation would rest upon her. No doubt as she made her way to the inner court to where the king was, her hands trembled. Probably had some butterflies in her stomach. No doubt her mouth was dry. Anybody know how it is to be nervous? And as she stands before the door, no doubt they were large and heavy, but as she pushes them open, trembling all over, knowing that the decision she had made would affect not only her life, would not only affect her future, but would affect the future and the outcome of countless others. She pushes her way through with the awesome responsibility of all that hung on her, bearing down the weight, knowing that in just a moment she could be dead and it could be over. But as she makes her way before the king, majestic room, no doubt the room fell silent as all took notice that Queen Esther had come in uncalled. She had not been sent for, no word. And there she was, illegally, out of place. The king looks up, the silence capturing his attention his eyes contact with hers and in a moment the Bible says he reaches down and holds mercy out to her the golden scepter I have always wondered what was it about it why did he give her mercy why did he extend grace to her when he could have killed her. It had to be that he knew her. He knew her. They had talked for more than just five minutes over the bowl of cereal in the morning. They had a relationship that was greater. They, they had been out together in the chariot and riding down the hill. And they, they had gone to sleep with the cell phone and it was still connected and they were both asleep and, and, and they knew he knew her 
He knew her. He, he knew this girl's not in here for her own ambition. She's not in here for her self-promotion. I, I, I talk to her all the time. I know the dreams and the desires of her heart. I know the focus. I know what she, she's not filled with pride. Uh, but there's something that's on her heart. Uh, and so I'm going to let her come in uh, and have a time of mercy because she had a relationship. Let me tell you something, young people. When you get ready to step into what God has for you, uh, it better be more... He better know you better than a five minutes over a bowl of Cheerios every morning. It better be a relationship that's deeper than, come on, than just camp meeting when you come to Youth Quake and get your yearly high. It better be more than just a, come on, I said he better know you by name. You better have a place in your house, a place where he knows where you meet him, where he knows the dreams of your heart. He knows the desires of your heart. He better know you. You've got to have a relationship relationship with Jesus Christ. He's looking for some young people that have relationship. He's looking for some young people that have commitment. I'm closing with an illustration. For I've brought you with me today all the way from Texas. Can anybody see it? It's a nail. And it is you. This nail is you. Little pop quiz here. What's this? A nail. Wrong. Let, let, let's try a girl here. Uh, I need somebody that's smart. What, what, what is this? What is it? Me. Give it up. Come on, stand up. What's your name? Liz. Give it up for Liz. Smartest girl in the room. This is you. This is you. You're the nail. But you have to have relationship. And so I've brought your relationship with Jesus Christ with me. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is this four by four. This is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a four by four, but it is your relationship. Do I need to give the boys a chance at redemption? Here, uh, I'm not going to ask you. Uh, how about you? It's a four by four. Ow! He said four by four. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, let's give the smart one over here. Well, what is it? Not listening. Relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationship with Jesus Christ. And you have to find a way into this relationship. You have to get in to Jesus Christ. I've brought the answer to that as well. I told you it was going to hurt. I told you you would get used. You think it's all spotlight. You look up here and see Pastor Holmes driving a nice car with a perfect little family, but you don't know about all night prayer meetings. You see Matthew Tuttle on the, on the, on the big sign outside, and you see, see him in the paper at Mid-America Youth Conference, but baby, you don't know. I grew up 18 years on a mission field without anybody. Living. I didn't have North American youth. I didn't have any of this Congress stuff. I didn't have any young people to live for God. But I live for God. You don't know about Matthew Tuttle, and I'm not bragging, but we've all been through adversity. We've all been through sacrifice. Baby, I got a little girl that's laying in a grave tonight, and I've held a little baby dead in my arms it's not all easy it's not all lights it's not all glamour sometimes 
It hurts. But you got to have something inside of you that says, I'll take the pain. I'll take the pain. Because I want the purpose. If you can't take the pain, you better get out. If you're not ready to commit, you better run as fast as you can. Because it's not all pretty lights. It's not all fame and glamour. It's sacrifice. You want my anointing? Go through what I've been through. You want to preach the conferences? Go through what I've been through. But don't you be jealous and don't you be envious of something you're not willing to pay the price for. So you come to church. You're in. Anybody remember the first time that you were restored? Oh, that you repented of your sins? That you went down into a watery grave of baptism? I said to you, can you remember the first time that you came out of the water? Your tongue was moving and it wasn't English. Can you? I thought I'd have at least more than three people jumping up and down like a little. Come on. I said, do you remember the first time that you were baptized? Can you remember when you were introduced into his presence? That you were introduced into his glory? And while we celebrate our relationship, man, and I'm thankful for it. Would you notice with me how much deeper... You could go. I dare say you could lay yourself down on an altar of sacrifice and you could push back into this realm. There's a realm of glory out here where it's immeasurable, where there is no end, where the depth is so great that you could find yourself walking in the spirit where the spirit is leading you. But you're shallow. You want to know why you're shallow? You want to know why you're shallow? It's easy to get out. Hold on, I got to go to camp meet. Get my pretty dress on, get my pretty little tie, run around the church three times. Everybody thinks I'm holy, but then I go home and I separate myself and I live like hell, live like the world. I walk from on. I got two lines at Walmart, just depends on who I run into. It's either bless the Lord on my soul or it's what's up dog, how you doing? Because I don't have a relationship. I don't have a connection. I'm in and then I'm out and I'm in and then I'm out and I'm in and then I'm shallow I'm preaching to somebody tonight that I don't care what you're doing right now I'm worried about what you're going to do when you get home you come on you've got everybody fooled but you can't fake it to God this man of God's got a word for you I know what on my number the number 
God sees exactly what you're doing. God knows exactly what websites you're clicking on, baby. He knows exactly what you got in your closet. He knows exactly where you keep the movies in. He knows exactly where you're living. He knows everything about you. Just because you're faking it at camp meeting doesn't mean God hasn't seen you. Shallow. Shallow. It's full of shallow young people. Let a little storm come and they can't take it because they're shallow. Help me. But while you're content to live in a shallow puddle and you don't desire depth, what you have to realize, young people, is that there are some things that are hanging on you. They're fragile things. Like your ministry. Your ministry that's still in the womb of preparation. But one day, I know you can't see it now, and it's only in the imagination, and it's only in the desires of your heart, because you have delighted yourself in the Lord. But, 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 but you've already seen it. But if you will let this ministry develop... One day, young lady, you will lay your hands on the dead and they will rise. I'm speaking prophetically. I said, one day, young man, you will preach to this size of crowd, but it will merely be a youth center because this ministry will reach the world. I said, there's a ministries in this house today that will impact thousands of people, but it is yet to be birthed. It is yet to come to fruition. It is yet to come to pass because it is in the infant fragile stages of the womb of preparation, but it is hanging. One day... It's going to change the world. I know my hanging on you, but that's not all that hangs on you. Young person, you're just a small youth group now. But when you don't show up to youth class, we're just a fragile group. But our youth ministry counts on you. And our church, oh, nobody misses me when I don't show up for church. Oh, yes, we do. We're hanging on you. When you don't show up for youth prayer, we all suffer. When you don't come and worship at the front, we all bleed. Because I know we only got 30 in the youth group right now. But one day, your youth ministry will be thousands. One day, that youth ministry that's only got three young people, two of your brothers and sisters, and one of you is a cousin, one day it's going to fill an auditorium and reach your world. I said one day... That youth group, that church you're a part of, ain't going to be on the backside. It's going to be the center of the... Oh, come on, I'm talking about your youth group. I'm Somebody ought to claim it right now. The words that I'm speaking are not the word of a man, but the divine word of God. 
and I speak under the authority that as sure as I'm standing here there will be youth ministries that will be as large as the group that is gathered together here tonight you ought to praise God as a sign that you're claiming what the man of God is preaching into your life hey I'm but it's not there yet it's still in the fragile stages And it's hanging on you. But that's not all. For surely this one. I care a lot about your ministry. And I hope your youth group does well. But that's really not the reason I preach the message. I preach the message for this one. Because I got two little girls. And in 10 years from now, I'm not going to be cool anymore. But all of you are going to be. She's going to look at you. I've got one that's four. We get home, you know what she does? She says, Hey, mommy, did you see how so and so was doing her hair tonight? I don't want my hair to be. Daddy, I want you to buy me a dress like so and so because her dress is so pretty. Daddy, I want to be like her. I want to, you know, my young man, you got a little boy that looks at you and says, Daddy, I want to suit like him. Do my hair up like him. I want to shoot the basketball like he shoots the basketball. He, you say, oh my, I'm not anybody's hero. You bet your bottom dollar you are. There's somebody that's looking at you. There's somebody. 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 Somebody's head. No, Michael, before I go home, you got to meet her. You gotta meet her. Because if you don't live for God, she's not gonna, she's hanging on you. She's dependent on you. You better look in these beautiful blue eyes before you get in the back seat with that young boy. You better look at my little baby before you step into that compromising situation. You better think about it. You better look at her. You better get a memory of her. Get it in your mind before you take the drink, before you backslide, before you go into the movie house before you start living like the world you better get a picture of my little baby cause she's hanging I could have preached and had you standing on your ear but I didn't come for that I didn't come to preach to you I came to preach for my baby and I need some young people that would dedicate I need some young people that will consecrate 
while you're content and look, everything's fine. Everything's fine and dandy. You got your little shallow, half-hearted relationship going on. But all the while, the enemy's preparing some weights. He's got a bag of goods lined up for you of weights and sin that so to easily do beset you. He's preparing the weights of sin that will come your way. Come on, moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. The weights of sin that come by your life and he's filling the bag up. He says, I gotta put it in. I gotta little get a, get a little temptation in there. I'm gonna fill it up with the weight of worldliness to where they're more caught up in the twilight than they are his light. That they know the names of the kings of Leon. But they don't know the name of the king of kings. Uh, that they know about the Jonas brothers. Uh, but they don't know about John the Baptist. Uh, I'm going to get them caught up uh, in the Hollywood. Uh, caught up uh, in the worldliness. Uh, it disturbs me how much you know about the world. Uh, how much caught up uh, you are into the things of the world. Uh, it's a weight uh, that's burdening you down. Uh, but that's not all, my friend. Uh, he's got to put in some perversion. The weight of perversion. Get you on that link. Get you on the site, young man. Because no one can see you in your bedroom at night. Nobody knows what you're clicking on. And you know how to erase things. And, and you know how to hide things. And you how to cover it up, baby. I've talked to too many of you. I already know where you live. I said, and it's weighing you down. Get you into a, a, an immoral situation, young lady. You ought not to let him get you. You ought not to put on God. Shut up. Yeah, he'll make it sound just right to take what he can't give back. Because he's got to take them down. Because when I take them down, I'm not just taking them down. I'm taking every little thing that hangs on them. And when I destroy you, I'm not just destroying you, son. I'm taking everything that hangs on you. When I take that youth group down, it ain't just going to be them. It's going to be everything that hangs on them. But there's some of you that the enemy, I'm not saying that everything that comes your way is your fault. Mom and dad going through divorce. Family conflict. I'll make it. The enemies at work and the attack and the target of this generation is the family. Some of you young men and young ladies better make up. You're going to break some generational curses. You're going to commit like you never have. You're going to make up your mind. I'm going to make mom and dad fight, scream, and then the, the, the little kid, that teenager will blame it on himself when he has to choose if he wants to live with mommy or daddy. And he, for the rest of his life, he won't be able to bear the burden of the divorce. I'm going to bear them down. I'm going to take them down. And so the devil has his bag of goods. Strategic Strategically planned, purposely filled, ready to take you down, ready to destroy your life. And when he shows up at your doorstep, the preacher's preaching to you every Sunday. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. Let's go a little early to prayer. Why don't we sacrifice? To, why don't we have a little time of prayer and fasting? Why don't you dance a little bit? I know it's one o'clock in the morning and you're tired, but how about we have some commitment? But we ain't gonna do it because we got our eyes on other things and we're shallow until finally the enemy of your soul 
hangs the goods of sin upon you. And you can't handle the pressure. You can't handle the weight. And there's the youth group that might have made a difference. But now it has no legs. And it falls in shadows. And maybe, maybe... I might can put her back together, Brother Nathan. But she's always going to have scars of a young person that wouldn't commit. She'll, I, I know maybe I can get some glue and I can, daddy can try to fix it, baby. But she'll always have a scar. You'll always have the memory of a young man that was so much, that was so caught up in the world. He didn't have time for God and broken pieces. For all that's left. Because. Because you wouldn't commit. Because you wouldn't run to an altar of sacrifice. Because you wouldn't run to a time of prayer. Because you wanted to dance. You didn't want to pray and cry out. But I've come to challenge a young man at Youthquake 2010. And say, young man, it's decision time. What are you going to do? There you are. And there you are. There's the relationship. Now you better make up your mind. You better know, son, it's going to hurt. Son, there's going to be hard times. You're going to go through adversity. You're going to go through hell and high water. The devil's going to work against you. You're going to have conflict. Are you ready for the pain? Are you ready to sacrifice? I've got to go deeper. I've got to go further. I've got to give more. I've got to pray more. I've got to get into the spirit. I've got to speak in tongues. I've got to lay on an altar. Two o'clock in the morning don't matter to me. I've got to have a breakthrough. I've got to have a cut of your mush. All over this house. All over this house. If you're not here to pray and you're simply going to look around, get out of here. If you didn't come to lay yourself down at an altar, you run out of this building right now. We don't need your distraction. We don't need you distracting from what God is about to do. But I got the altars open tonight for young ladies that want to go deeper. Young men that want to give more. Have that cut shot.